the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KDOW presents... New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email. Just go to chadburton.com. Get some of your questions there. Let's first talk about interest rates because, like I mentioned last week, it's been a, a bit of a wild ride on interest rates this year. To say the least, the 10-year treasury was above 4%, but the 10-year treasury is down at 3.41% right now. Meanwhile, the two-year U.S. government treasury is sitting at 4%. So the yield curve still inverted. Even further inverted as you go down the line, last six-month T-bills are around 4.78% that you could buy at treasurydirect.gov. You could also buy them secondary in you know, your brokerage accounts and things like that. I heard a very interesting comment today. People are becoming too optimistic about seeing a rate cut and not pessimistic enough as to why. And that's a great point because we had consumer price index information come out this morning. The CPI revealed that headline inflation rose only 0.1% over last month and 5% over the prior year in March. That was a slowdown from February, which was 0.4% month-over-month increase and a 6% annual gain. So inflation is slowing. Keep that in mind when you're buying the I-bonds. Rates are coming down. Um, and the idea there is, oh, oh, you know, inflation's coming down and the economy's slowing, so the Feds are going to have to cut rates, and that's good for stocks. Well, typically the Feds cut rates because the economy has gone into a recession. So um, we're not there yet. We're definitely not in a recession. There's kind of a rolling recession right now between real estate and let's say maybe tech in terms of the layoffs. But there's a couple of issues to deal with, right? We have tightening credit. The Fed's uh, H.8 release showed that bank loans are declining or were declining at the end of March. The ISM Manufacturing and Services Index both fell notably in March. So we do have a bit of a slowdown here. Strategist, global macro strategist, Said additionally, falling profits could should restrain business and spending generally. We continue to believe a Fed pause makes sense. Since number one, there have already been swift and significant rate heights. And number two, policy is looking restrictive as things are breaking, such as banks, home prices, 
labor with a question mark because that really hasn't slowed too much. If inflation slows, as we expect, real interest rates should continue to automatically climb. So you have constrained lending because of what happened at various banks. And, um, you know, everybody's talking about commercial real estate, all the loans coming due in the next two years. And then we have the debt ceiling to deal with. But look at FactSet's Earnings Insight, which comes out, you know, uh, every Friday during earnings reports every quarter. They said for the first quarter of 2023, even though we just got started on earnings estimates or earnings releases, the estimated earnings decline for the S&P 500 is negative 6.8%. If negative 6.8% is the actual decline for the quarter, it will mark the largest earnings decline reported by the index since Q2 of 2020, right in the middle of COVID, down 31.8% then. So definitely not that type of decline in terms of estimates. But the forward 12-month P/E ratio for the S&P 500 right now is 18. It's below the five-year average of 18.5, but above the 10-year average of 17.3. So we're kind of coming into a slowdown. There's a lot of camps to say, well, you know, a lot of this is expected in terms of the estimated earnings decline for the S&P 500. And yes, tech has rallied back up, and the S&P 500 is positive, but it's because tech, which is a good chunk of it, has rallied back a lot. Now, it's still not break-even for the huge 30% plus decline that tech had last year, but that's a lot of the reason that that drove it forward. So if you look at equal-weighted indexes or the market as a whole, it's still relatively flat. So it was negative last year, flat this year. So there's there's a lot of people that say, oh, well, the, you know, the market can handle this, any sort of a slowdown slash recession. So it's going to be very interesting to dig into these earnings reports, what are companies saying about lending, cost control? Um, that's going to be the big thing. You know, analysts are going to be looking to companies to explain how they can maintain margins. How can they maintain margins with inflationary issues in the labor market that just won't click? Still very, very strong. A couple of things to remind you about. Because it's, we're sitting here as I record this this uh, show, April twelfth. Uh, typically, taxes are uh, you know due April fifteenth. But um, you know, if that falls on a weekend, it's it's always delayed a few days after that, which it is April fifteenth this year is on a Saturday. So, but the IRS extends the tax line deadline in seven states, including California, and. In addition to more time to file, the federal tax deadline extensions also mean that affected taxpayers in these certain states, such as, so this happened in California, Georgia, Alabama, um, New York, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Tennessee, basically disaster-related situations, storms, things like that. But it's also, I don't think I've ever seen this before, it also, they have more time to file or to contribute to IRAs and health savings accounts. Typically, when you file an extension, you have to make those contributions to your IRAs, Roth IRAs, HSAs, prior to April 15th, no matter when you're filing your final return. But that's actually not the case this year. So you got more time to think about things like Roth IRA contributions, 
Now, are you eligible? So first of all, what is a Roth IRA? If you put money into an account, invest it in you know stocks, mutual funds, ETFs. So you open up a account at TD Ameritrade, Fidelity. Well, not TD because you know it's just going to become Schwab soon, anyways. But Schwab, Fidelity, let's say that's where we manage clients' money, and um, you can make a contribution as long as you have earned income from from a job, either self-employed or working for somebody else. Six thousand dollars, unless you're fifty year older by the end of twenty twenty two, and then that means you you get that thousand dollar catch up. So the money grows tax-free forever. It's great, right? Well, if you're single and you make over 129000 of modified adjusted gross income, which also includes your tax-free bond income, or if you're married filing jointly and you make over $204,000, you are not eligible to contribute to a Roth. So your option is then a backdoor Roth IRA, which works if you do not have any other IRAs, SEP IRAs, or simple IRAs. If you don't, if everything else you have is in a 401k, you're good to go. So you don't have any other IRAs of any kind, a person that makes too much money to make a contribution to a Roth IRA, it can open up a regular IRA. Make the $6,000 or the $7,000 contribution for 2022. Open up a Roth IRA, turn around and convert that regular IRA contribution over to the Roth, and it's a tax-free event if you don't have any other IRA accounts. It's called a backdoor Roth IRA. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. The government should just let everybody do it because most of the country is way behind on retirement savings, but that's, that's what we have to do. Now, it's important when you file your 2022, if you're going to do this backdoor IRA contribution to Roth conversion strategy, that you file a form 8606 notifying the IRS that you made a non-deductible IRA contribution. So form 8606. Very important. So this backdoor Roth and your company potentially allowing after-tax contributions to Roth in the 401k, huge saving strategies going forward. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. You can find me. Just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Never read this book, but it's a quote from a post-apocalyptic novel by the author of by the name G. Michael Hoff. And see it on social media all the time. And speaking on social media, this is an article in Financial Advisor magazine, but I also had it sent to me by two people on Instagram, oddly enough. And it was from Paulina Cachero. Financial Advisor Magazine, Parents Drain Retirement Funds to Support Adult Children. Now, let me go back to this quote for a minute. It's a little, sounds a little sexist, but you know it is what it is. It's out of a book. It's not my quote. And the reason why this rings true a lot for me is because in the almost 29 years that I've been in the business, I see a lot of successful family businesses fail around the fourth generation. And part of it is this, you know, hard times create strong men. So in companies, men or women, they do all of the hard work in the beginning to create the company. 
bootstrap it, you know, they don't have high income for years and years as they're growing and growing the business. And it's usually in later in life when they even are able to kind of live a decent lifestyle after building, building, building. And then it just, each generation doesn't have to work as hard in the family business, right? It's already kind of done and created and people have been hired around them. And all of a sudden they're spending the wealth and then fights break out, especially if there's multiple family members in it, you know, multiple generations. And then the business eventually fails or has to be sold. And I'm kind of seeing this. It's just, you know, it's this whole participation trophy garbage where everybody's worried about getting feelings hurt and what's said when. And, and it's now flowing into retirement planning more and more. And I've seen this throughout the career. Some of the mistakes that I'm going to go over is enabling adult children. Um, and even when people can't afford to pay for their kids' college and they're so worried about the kids taking out student loans and things like that. But look, if a kid takes out student loans and it takes years for them to pay it off, they still have years and years and years. They have 40 plus working years to save to retirement. Whereas when your kid's out of college, you're typically in your 50s and you have very limited time. So people do this backwards all the time. Nearly 70% of parents with kids 18 or older say they've sacrificed their own finances to help them. And so, you know, this is a this is also a bank rate report, I guess, too. So maybe that was the original author and why it's all over social media. About uh, half of these people are forking over emergency savings or delaying paying off their own debt for the sake of their children. Uh, the, you know, we have a $7 trillion dollar retirement savings shortfall in this country. And 43% of the people in this bank rate survey say that their kids have been draining, they're draining their retirement funds, which is just crazy. It's, I think back to my grandparents, I remember eating lunch with my grandfather all the time as we worked together and it didn't matter you know, how hungry he was or whatever, he would finish every single piece of food on his plate. And it it wasn't healthy, but at the same time, he lived through the depression. So he knew what the hard times were like, and he still cherished every single meal, right? And then, you know, some of these Gen Xers, um, you know, that are, now raising kids and things like that, there there's a distrust of the market because it's of the Great Recession, and then there's this overall feeling of guilt. And at the same time, kids just don't seem to be working anymore. I mean, I had a paper out. I, it's crazy because I was I would never let my kids get a paper out at nine, but I had one at nine, and I'd go collect on a monthly basis. You know, the fifty cents or whatever it was to deliver the Astorian. I lived in Gearhart back then. And I've always had a job. I always had to buy my own school clothes, raised single mom. And, you know, I, I probably even help my kids a little bit too much. So they pay for all their own gas, pay for their insurance and their cell phone bill until they're through college. But I see people around them that, you know, I, I've got high school kids pulling up in a, in a Land Rover, right? So it, it just... And I wonder, like, are those parents saving properly for retirement versus buying their kid a Land Rover? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I see this all the time where I know people that 
I know make and save less, but they have way nicer cars than I do. So people are doing this all the time. I mean, I've seen throughout my career, people enable children to continue to make poor choices, whether it's relationships, careers, starting businesses, because they always know that mom, dad are going to come back and bail them out. So they just never go all in. There's no, there's no way that they can totally fail because mom and dad will always bail them out. And that's ruining people's retirement more and more. Yes, younger generations always face higher living costs and younger generations always face wages that aren't keeping up with inflation. Uh, but for some reason, it's it's gotten a little bit backwards. There's this guilt that people have with their kids. Meanwhile, you, you go out to a restaurant and there's nothing more annoying than you're looking at a table and every single person, including the adults, are sitting on their cell phone. So how much time is wasted playing video games versus when we were kids, we had to go out and deliver papers, pick strawberries in the strawberry field, um, get a busboy job or a dishwashing job, those types of things. It just doesn't seem to be happening anymore. So don't let that situation ruin your retirement. Think about how long your kid has to work and be able to pay off their student loans. They don't deserve the new house, the new car right away. They need to earn it and then they'll, they'll keep it and then they'll teach their kids to earn it and keep it. So keep that in mind. Other retirement mistakes that I see, this happened a lot during COVID. A lot of people were drawing from their IRAs and 401ks to pay off a mortgage because during COVID, there was all of these laws that were talked about where penalties were reduced for pulling money out of IRAs and 401ks. So there were some people that made large withdrawals from IRAs and 401ks, and they were kind of confusing the no penalty with no taxes. I was reading a story of a couple that pulled off, pulled out money to pay off their mortgage out of their IRA paid off their mortgage that was only, you know, 3%. And then all of a sudden they have a $48,000 tax bill that they weren't expecting. That's how this country lacks education when it comes to finances. Ask any kid as they come out of high school, there's zero adulting classes, zero. And, you know, here's 400 papers to write on all these various topics, but, um, my daughter is doing her senior project on investing. And the idea was, this is how quick you can set up an investment account and, and put money into it and invest it. She wasn't allowed to do real money. So we had to alter the project. Take a quick break. We'll talk about it more after. Now back to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you need help with your investment management, financial planning, taxes, let's go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Let's talk about some other of uh, retirement planning mistakes besides enabling your adult children drawing from IRAs and a large amount to pay off a mortgage and getting hit with an unexpected tax bill. That's usually a bad idea. Uh, now, if you want to pay off your debt and you want to do some tax planning and pay off a little, you pull a little bit more out each year from your IRA up to a certain tax bracket to potentially pay it down early, that might make sense. You got to compare that to converting to a Roth instead, especially if you have a mortgage that you'll never likely never see again of, you know, sub 3%. A big one is spending way too much in the early years. So overspending your retirement budget in the first five to 10 years 
is tough to recover from. So sticking to some sort of a budget in the first five to 10 years is very important to making your long-term retirement plan work. Investing too aggressively, not transitioning your portfolio at least five years from retirement where you want to have that you know, two to three years worth of portfolio draws, not expenses, that's too big, but portfolio draws and safe money and the rest in some sort of a, a balanced portfolio. Investing too aggressively is when people kind of forget to do this. They feel like they've saved enough for retirement. They got a large stock portfolio. They go into retirement, they continue to live, but they never rebalance. And then a rough time comes and all of a sudden the market drops and they're still pulling out money you know, over 5% out of stocks when they're down, locking in losses. So investing too aggressively. Also, investing too aggressively, when people retire, their risk tolerance drops drastically. You go from get, earning a paycheck and having a lot of extra income in your 60s and feeding your portfolio all the time and being aggressive to retiring, no longer having a paycheck and looking at your 401k and your other savings, is that's that's got to last 35 years. And so risk tolerance drops drastically. And when people invest too aggressively, they tend to panic and sell out at the worst times. But also investing too conservatively is a major problem. You will not keep up with inflation. The value of the dollar drops every 18 to 20 years because of inflation. So investing in 4% accounts is not going to be enough over time. Taking Social Security too early because you think the system is going to fail. In 2034 or so right now, that's when Social Security is set to be paying out more in benefits that it's taking in in taxes. And by law, it has to be cut. And you're going to see changes between now and then, increased retirement ages, more FICA tax on our paychecks and things like that that will secure it for those in their 60s. And so typically, either full retirement age or age 70 is going to be good for most people. Another big one is people rolling their 401ks over to expensive annuity products. You hear ads for them all the time. They're, they promise you can invest in the stock market and have guaranteed income for life. And most of them are not worth the paper that they're written on. 99% of annuities are garbage. The guarantees are fake. There's never been a 10-year period where a balanced portfolio has lost money, even if you've invested in October of 2007. So they're not really guaranteeing anything other than charging you an extra 15 to 3% on your money for as long as you live. If you had a million bucks that you rolled over from your 401k into an annuity, you're likely paying up to $30,000 a year in extra expenses on that thing. It's gotten so bad that the Department of Labor and the SEC have begun passing laws to, to try to stop this, but the insurance lobbyists are, are really, really good. So 99% of annuities out there are garbage. Keep that in mind. Another big one is uh, being house rich and cash poor. And you've got to do a very clear financial plan, long-term cash flow projection that includes taxes, inflation, a conservative rate of return, all of it, so that you can clearly see when liquid assets start to deplete. So that if you're house rich and investment assets poor, when is that point in time? For example, if you knew you needed to sell your house to continue to live in retirement over the next five years, you'd probably be selling now where you knew the market was, right? It's still, it's come down a little bit in the Bay Area, but it's still relatively priced high. 
Um, or if you're rental property rich, but liquid assets poor, knowing that well in advance, so you can either begin to sell properties or do 1031 exchanges. Um, as I mentioned last show, there's a way to you know do a 1031 exchange where you sell your rental property, do a tax-free 1031 exchange into a certain building that ends up eventually in a in a real estate investment trust that's fully diversified where you can s- slowly sell shares. Um, lots of options out there for that. And another big one that I'll hit on for our shift topics is not staying active socially and physically. This is one of the most important ones. This is, as I've been doing this, specializing in retirement planning and estate planning over 28 years now, it's it's kind of become my paranoia. So I'm so into health and fitness and longevity issues, but I'm also so into saying I, I'm going to take time now because I built a business for over 20 years and didn't travel much. And I had four kids and you know, didn't do a lot of things. I'm going to do those things now, especially when my kids want to travel with me and, and enjoy it. Hella skiing and wake surfing and all the stuff that we like to do, because I don't care about working longer. I think it's for me, it, I've seen people healthier when they stay somewhat into the business that they're doing, whether it was my grandfather who worked into his eighties um, or people that somehow keep mentally engaged, whether it's the volunteer work that they do, projects that they're on, and staying very physically active. If you don't do those two things, you have no motivation to get out of bed. You, you start watching your portfolio and become way too addicted to things like you know Kramer on CNBC, and you just drive yourself nuts. And if you don't pay attention to your health, you're going to retire in your 60s and you're going to spend all of your 70s going to the doctor three times a week. So that is a big one that I'll continue to talk more and more about. So get active, start eating right with a Mediterranean diet or something else. Fix your gut with pre and probiotics, those types of things as you move towards retirement. Take the time. All right. A couple of other things I wanted to talk about. A lot of people try to move states to avoid taxes, right? So I've got... Offices in the Bay Area and then Vancouver, Washington, right across from Portland, Oregon. I used to live in Oregon, eventually opened an office in Vancouver, Washington because of the lack of state income taxes. And you get people in California, they go, oh, I want to retire, but I'm going to go to Nevada, Arizona or some other state. Well, I think you're going to continue to see more of this issue that I'm about to talk about because so many people have left areas of the country, which are political garbage cans where there's all of these problems that they created to other states. And there's such an inflow of population that they're creating the same exact uh, problems there and voting that way. And so Washington has always been a no income tax state. And it's great because living on the Washington, Oregon border, you can go to Oregon where there's no sales tax, live in Washington and work in Washington where there's no income tax. Washington passed a capital, a state capital gains tax. And then it, there was all sorts of you know, lawsuits and everything else. And it went to the Supreme Court. And the issue with this is it's a really weird excise tax at higher income levels. So this, the, there's still, this is going to end up on the ballot again. But Washington capital gains tax is now 7% on the sale or exchange of individual long-term capital assets, stocks, bonds, business interests, et cetera, that exceed 250 grand. So I think you're going to move from California to Washington and start you know, selling shares of concentrated stock or, or something else 
there's now a capital gains tax when it's over $250,000. So, you know, if you own real estate in Washington, that's exempt. If you have a business that's under 10 million in revenue, I think it is, that's exempt. But look, here's what happens. Fisher Investments, which is in Camas, Washington now, is their headquarters. They moved from Woodside, California to Camas, Washington, uh, right in my backyard, essentially, of where the Vancouver office is. So Vancouver and Camas are right next to each other. They already stated when this passed the Supreme Court that they're moving their headquarters to Texas. But I mean, literally within hours of of the Supreme Court upholding this law. So before you pick up everything and move to a new state because of taxes, realize that you've had this huge amount of people from California to Phoenix, Scottsdale, uh, you know, Austin, Dallas, Washington, and all of these places that are now, because of infrastructure, trying to find ways to raise taxes. Also, you got to realize Washington is a terrible place to die if you have a lot of assets. California is extremely cheap place to die. Oregon and Washington have inheritance tax over a million in Oregon and over two million in Washington. So you think you're going to save income tax? Well, then you're going to pay it when you die. And now these others issues that are coming online. And it's such a garbage law. It's like here's check this out. Um, this, one of the exempt things that happens is goodwill received from the sale of a franchised auto dealership. How did that get in there? Right. What, who, which, which auto, <laughs> which person that owns an auto dealership was uh, a lobbyist on this bill. Um, so you're going to start seeing these things pop up and I, I think Nevada and Arizona and other issues. I think, keep this in mind too, when you're, deciding to move out of your state that might have an income tax, do careful tax projections. Even people that have high income, a lot of times they're, you know, they get the low property taxes because of Prop 13. Um, They can downsize homes because of Prop 19 in California, but their actual California taxes, a percentage of their overall income is often usually around six to six and a half percent. Most of the times when we run the numbers on the tax return, when you move, you got to get a new home, you have moving costs, which are outrageous right now, new furniture, new social network, and make sure you're in that state for well over six months a year to get out of it. And so make it a careful consideration versus a, I'm going to buy a new house in a different state type of on the whim issue. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Chad Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just go to chadburton.com. You can find out about our whole team at EP Wealth. We're one of Barron's top advisors, over $16 billion in assets under manager. we got over 80 certified financial planners serving clients, team of 13-plus chartered financial analysts watching over portfolios, tax team, estate planning team. We got it all. So check it out. Just go to chadburton.com to get you to the EP Wealth site. Downloadables, links to the podcast, it's all there. Um, Question I, I received from an email list. It was, it was a longer question, but it, essentially, you know, what changes with high net worth investors? What do you have access to when you have larger portfolios that other investors don't? And when I say this, this could, you know, mean for some in the range of you know, two plus to five plus million in 
assets being managed by a firm. So when we manage somebody's account, it's those it's it's that person's IRA, uh, you know, trust account, regular account, any type of account that you can have at TD Ameritrade, Schwab, Fidelity. We it's it's their account. We're just signed on and authorized to be able to trade on the account to make the investment changes to keep the portfolios balanced. Now, what changes with higher net worth investments? Well, one of the things that when you're higher net worth that you have access to, it's becoming more and more important, especially with where stocks and bonds are, is alternative investments. Alternative investments can mean certain types of real estate. It can mean certain types of direct lending. And that's, you know, let's say company A wants to buy company B. Um, if a bank has any investment in either company, they can't really lend money on the deal. That's why, you know, only 10% of this market is done by banks anymore. So if, let's say profitable company A wants to buy profitable company B. Um, they don't usually use all their own cash and stock to do it. They usually borrow on, you know, five to seven year notes. Um, they buy the company, they lay off who they need to lay off, cut the costs, have the increased revenue and increased profit margins, and they're, and they're off and running. Um, there's a whole bunch of different types of these things. We like the more conservative ones, but that's something that is an alternative investment available to higher net worth people. Um, so there's all sorts of different types of alternative investments. One of the things, too, is that if you notice the larger your taxable portfolios are when you hold mutual funds, especially, and even some ETFs, you have years like 2022 is one of them where you could have a down stock market, but inside the funds, the manager sells something that they've owned for years. And all of a sudden you own a capital gains tax and you didn't take any money out. It's like a phantom tax. It's a capital gains distribution that occur that can occur. And when you own funds or ETFs, they're typically tracking some sort of an index. And when you have higher net worth accounts, instead of owning funds and things like that, you can literally directly own the underlying stocks and you can do what's called tax overlays on top of that, where you're trading to reduce taxes on a constant basis. So your primary goal is your asset allocation and achieving market returns your secondary goal, especially in a, in a taxable account, is achieving tax alpha. Where, let's say you have you have to take some gains in the large cap growth portion of the portfolio, and you have a capital gain. The tax overlay system is when you have the emerging market manager sell some of those stocks that might be showing a loss, buy some, something different, different stocks inside the portfolio for a period of time in order to harvest losses to offset those gains. So direct holdings, direct indexing with a tax overlay is available to higher net worth individuals when they're you know, typically not a you know, $100,000 account. Options overlay is another one. That's for concentrated positions. Let's say you have a large concentrated position and you don't really want to sell it this year because maybe you're still working and your bracket's really high and you want to put off the sale for a period of time. You can sell some covered calls, which which limits some upside, use those premiums to buy some protective puts, and it creates kind of a trading window where um, you know allows the stock to go up a bit, but it protects some downside. If you're holding the stock and you need to hold it for a specific period of time, but you're trying to hedge the downside. Or my favorite strategy right now, if you have highly concentrated stock that you know you need to start trimming, 
but you don't want to just get hammered with taxes all at once. You can sell covered calls, create some income. That limits some of your upside potential, though, when, if the stock gets called away. But there's very tax-efficient ways to start trimming stock in a company. So if you have highly concentrated com- company stock in the company you've worked for, and you no longer have any trading restrictions, you can do this covered call strategy. And it's a way as you're trying to wait and trim it, the premium income from selling the calls can help buffer some of the downside. It also creates a line in the sand where you start selling when it goes up a certain amount and you can do it in a very tax efficient way, which I won't really go into. Um, But you're typically able to get somewhere between three and 6% extra income on the position as you're waiting to start trimming it. So there's option overlay strategies. There's also exchange funds when you have highly concentrated positions where you can put it into an exchange fund and, and after a certain t- number of years, seven to 10 years, you come out with a diversified portfolio. And then typically there's just a higher level of services, whether it's estate planning services, tax planning services, it's all thrown in there. So I will say that there's a lot of people that you know think they have a financial planner and they just have a investment account that, you know, they get this pie chart on a quarterly basis. There may or may not be some trades and they're just getting charged for a managed account. They're not getting any tax planning. They're not getting any long-term tax projections. They don't have a website that they can go to, to see all of their financial plan expenses, taxes, uh, how long my money's going to last all in one place. They just don't get all of this. And you should be. You should be expecting more for that at this point, especially with technology. The investing side is easy, guys. The stock market's going to take good care of us over time. Asset allocation is more important than individual security selection. And then second is rebalancing to maintain a certain risk level. And then tax, you know, making sure that you're not paying any unnecessary taxes. Then you get the financial planning, the tax planning distribution strategies for good markets and bad markets. That should be all part of a good financial plan. If you don't have that, just go to chadburton.com. You can request a meeting with one of our certified financial planner practitioners. Check out all we do. Just go to chadburton.com, Facebook, LinkedIn, iTunes for the podcast links. It's all at chadburton.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.